I forgot to record group A last week. I feel so bad, but whatever. Sometimes it happens. It happens, <laughs> yeah. Talking and <laughs> get it all. Um, so kind of starting off with, um, in the literary message of Isaiah, um, at the beginning of the chapter, it kind of gives kind of a synopsis of where we've been and kind of where we're going. And so uh, here it talks about um, that humiliation and exaltation is the apex of this great chiasm that Isaiah is presenting in his theology. And, but in order to understand what humiliation and exaltation is, because it's a composite type for Babylon, we need to really understand what ruin, rebellion, and punishment look like, and their their converse, the rebirth, compliance, and deliverance. So, ruin and rebirth, we we see the great reversal of circumstances. We have those that are in Zion and those that are not, and how they their their circumstances reverse in the end time. Then, with rebellion and compliance, we see the two contrasting people. We see King Ahaz's example and King Hezekiah's example, and what rebellion to to god's word does and what compliance can can achieve and then uh, the last couple of weeks we talked about the composite figure that was probably the one of the most confusing and, and hard to to navigate uh, sections of the scripture so far but um looking at who this end time servant is because there's no one example that uh perfectly exemplifies him and so Isaiah uses four different composite people or, or types in order to, to build this, uh, this ideal of the, the end time servant. We have the Davidic figure, the warrior figure, Cyrus figure, and the suffering servant figure. That's all combined into one. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, did you see Masa had his baby? Oh, yeah. He was saying how he chose their names and did this on his personal post today and it said something about and we know for sure that the end time servant will be named David mm. so how, how would we know that from maybe not from Isaiah uh-huh so um Isaiah references it loosely but I mean it can be interpreted lots of different ways and so it's kind of ambiguous Got it. but um, Joseph Smith actually was the one that I wish I had the quote like right off the top of my head. I can search it really quick, but- um, Oh, it's okay. I was just he, curious. There's a quote that Abraham gives. Oh, I, I took a screenshot of it the other day. Just yeah, let me find it. Because uh, <laughs> in my brain, I'm like, oh, where did that go? But I do have it here somewhere. Took a screenshot. I think. No, that's a good job. So, okay. Anyway, so it's Joseph Smith that says that um, this end time figure that will redeem God's people will be by the name of David and from the Davidic line. Um, and so Avraham Gileadi just narrows that in uh, and and will not budge on that fact. Many people have tried to like debate him and um, uh, say that they disagree with that and stuff. But Avraham is like 100% adamant that it has to be David. I'm sure that there's a lot more than just the Joseph Smith quote that, that ties into that. But I'm, I'm not sure how to necessarily defend that point. But it's just some of the things that I've come across um, in this last week in, in some of my listening of commentaries and stuff. 
um, okay. Abraham goes to Joseph Smith's quote there. And I'll find that for next week because I- Oh, it's okay. I, I could go find it too. Because me, I I'm that. watching for all the names like, okay, is your name yeah. David? <laughs> yeah, so you mean- All the Davids, all the Davids stand up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so yeah, uh, it's an interesting uh, mix and stuff because uh, many people think it could be Joseph Smith. Uh, many people think it could be John the Beloved. So people coming back and fulfilling uh, new parts of their mission. But Avraham talks about um, how that there's no precedent for that, but yet there's really no precedent for the end time servant in, in some aspects either. So I don't know. There, there's a lot of different. We'll figure it out soon, won't we? <laughs> uh -huh, yeah. So um, I'm transcribing one of Avraham's new lectures that they're going to be publishing out pretty soon. And it's all about the end time servant and identifying who he is. So that one, as soon as that's posted, I'll, I'll let you know and you can go oh, watch cool. it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, a fun one. Um, <clears throat> all right. Now, where was I? I finished. Sorry, the... I derailed you. <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> but anyway, so we we're talking about the Bifid and looking um, at where we've been, kind of where we're headed. So with humiliation and exaltation, um, this is like the crux of the, the whole principle that Isaiah is uh, trying to get across with this theology, where we have a descent before we ascend, and um, where the, the arch tyrant will be humiliated and utterly abased versus the end time servant who does go through a humiliation will ultimately ascend. So um, it's this reversal of circumstances, and it kind of ties back to the first part of Isaiah, this ruin and rebirth, where there's a reversal of circumstances. Um, but this is on a huge scale with the, the right hand and the left hand, um, the Davidic servant and the, the Antichrist, um, how they reverse themselves and all that that entails. <laughs> there, there's a lot. So if you read the, the reading this week, it, it's quite a bit of just like, whoa, there's so bad news there's there's humiliation all over the place there where's the exaltation right <laughs> but um mm -hmm. it's interesting to look at this composite of babylon so there as isaiah is looking forward to our day he sees what babylon truly is and in his day there's no good example in its entirety and so he pulls out all of the different Babylon figures to to create this composite for it. Um, we have the, the the Moabites. We have actual Babylon, Assyria, and and all of these oracles against these foreign nations, and um, leading into a, a composite. So one of I tell you, this book is so good. Uh, it, it's very intense, but the literary message of Isaiah um, uh, really pulls out some of these main structures that I don't think I would ever get by myself. And so um, I think it's amazing that this section, Humiliation Exaltation, has, um, what is it, 10 chapters in the first half of Isaiah, but only one chapter, chapter 47, in the second half. So it's like all of these composites in the first half versus end time, it, all he needs is one. He's telling us all in one uh, condensed version 
what the, the greater Babylon will be for the end time, uh, which we'll, we'll study 47 next week in intense. But um, for this week, I kind of wanted to dive into chapter 14 because that's where there, there's just a lot to unpack. Um, let me pull up this chart. So this isn't the best chart. This is from the ebook version, but I, I see that some stuff kind of pops around a little bit. It's not formatted as like it is in the, the paper version, but hopefully we can kind of get it. So um, this chart goes through the whole chiasm. So all the way from rebirth to humiliation and, and back again to um, disinheritance and inheritance. And so with this, it's kind of confusing right at first when you're looking at it, but um, we have the, the left-hand column that is the typically the bad side and the right-hand column, which is the, the good side or the redeeming quality of each level of the ladder or of the bifid structure, sorry. So most of it is typified here in chapter 14 and chapter 52 as kind of opposite comparisons. And so chapter 14 uh, is part of our reading today. And so I kind of wanted to go through some of this and then dive into the actual text. So if we look at where we've been, uh, we see rebirth, rebellion, punishment, and then humiliation here. So in Isaiah 14, we see that Jehovah's people are restored. There's a, a rebirth that's happening. And Jehovah gives rest in that day. So if you've kept your covenants, if uh, you, you've changed your ways, etc., there's going to be rest for you um, in the day of the Lord, meaning the, the Lord's day of judgment, that three and a half year period. The tyrant is then unrelenting. There's um, a rebellion that happens, um, but there is jubilation. The whole earth is at rest after all of that happens. And then the tyrant enters Sheol for his punishment, and the tyrant is demeaned with humiliation. The tyrant becomes a demigod, so it's kind of like this reverse ladder to heaven, but it's a ladder to, to hell or Sheol. And uh, he, he even goes further down, becomes a demigod. The tyrant who causes havoc is brought low, is infamous, and his offspring and land are destroyed in the end. So that's all in chapter 14. Uh, it kind of has a rundown of the whole bad stuff that happens. Versus Isaiah 52, we see this flip side. So Jehovah's people are taken captive. There's, there's a ruin that, that happens, yet then Jehovah makes everything right for those that keep the covenant. Jehovah manifests his presence in that day, and he fulfills the expectations because of their compliance. There is jubilation. Jehovah redeems his people, and um, they exit Babylon. There's a deliverance that happens. The servant grows eminent while the tyrant is demeaned. The servant is despised. He goes through a humiliation process. And the suffering servant pays the price of peace, is submissive, and then his offspring and portion of land are redeemed, uh, culminating in his inheritance. So anyway, taking that framework there, 
even though that's a lot to digest just right off the bat. And let's go into the actual um, text of chapter 14. See if we can kind of see any of what's that the wrong one. Um, let me see. All right. So let's just kind of rotate some verses and stuff. So let's read the actual verse and then the commentary on that verse. So um, I'll do verse one, mom does verse two, and Tracy could do verse three. Uh -huh. I'll just kind of rotate through them. So it says, Jehovah will have compassion on Jacob and once again choose Israel. He will settle them in their own land and proselytes will adhere to them and join the house of Jacob. So Abraham's commentary, Jehovah's people of the Jacob slash Israel category may yet inherit the blessing of a promised land if they repent and renew their covenant relationship with Jehovah their God. His promises give them hope no matter in what circumstances they find themselves. I find that that's so hopeful right there. Like, even if we have ruined ourselves in the past, whatever, as long as we repent, renew the covenant relationship, God will, will deliver. So the verbs have compassion and choose denote the elect status of those who prove faithful in keeping the terms of Jehovah's covenant. For them, its blessings ultimately become unconditional. Many who observe how Jehovah blesses his people unite with him to become one nation in the end, which is, is huge. Like through Michael Rush's books, we see um, kind of how some of that plays out um, to that the one nation thing. So from Daniel and Ezra, and the, the ruination of the eagle, but yet the phoenix that comes back, um, we, we see some of that, that imagery there. All right, Mother, would you read that one? Verse two. The nations will take them and bring them to their own place, and the house of Israel will possess them as men servants and maidservants in the land of Jehovah. They will take captive their captors and rule over their oppressors. Those who inherit the land of Jehovah, which is a millennial context, becomes their own place, are escorted escorted home by Jehovah's servants from among the nations, just as Joseph ministers to his brothers in the land of Egypt and saved them from the curse of the famine. So certain spiritual kings and queens of the Gentiles minister to Jehovah's people and escort them in their new exodus to Zion. In a second exodus, after Jehovah has instituted his reign of peace on the earth, those who are thus gathered gather up the remaining remnants of his people. They will take captive their captors and rule over their oppressors, different spiritual categories of both Je Jehovah's people and the nations exist side by side through the end time and into Jehovah's millennial reign of peace. The fact that all of the earth's wicked perish in Jehovah's day of judgment and only those who repent of transgression survive doesn't preclude the survival of some former captors and oppressors of Jehovah's people or their descendants. Many will convert to Israel's God and serve him by serving his elect as they learn his ways. So 
the second time through this, we read this in group A, but I'm not sure if I answered Janet's question right. Yeah. So here it says that certain spiritual kings and queens of the Gentiles minister escort in a new Exodus design. Like we know that part. But here in a second Exodus, after Jehovah has instituted his reign of peace, those who are thus gathered gather up the remaining remnants of his people. Like she asked if there was like two end time exoduses mm -hmm. and I'm like, oh no, like there's the first exodus of Moses and then the second exodus. But I'm gonna have to like go back and go, oh, sorry, I did not read that properly. So yeah, after we mm -hmm. get saved, we turn around and save others. So like there's like two exoduses in, in that sense. You know, it, it might all be blanketed under one exodus but there's different parts to the exodus so that you know there's return journeys to, to bring others in which yeah i need to correct that yeah <laughs> i've seen that. that this time through too so when we're bringing them in does that mean they'll kind of live with us do you think I, I was thinking that as i was reading one part of this it, it said we will take them in and i was like Maybe, I don't know. Where are they all gonna live? Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, you know, from reading Triumph of Zion or even Michael Rush's books and stuff, there's like the actual city of Zion, there's a requirement of righteousness before one can enter. I mean, you have to be, you know, higher up on the spiritual ladder before they can actually enter. And so they have to go somewhere before. I mean, they're safely gathered in, but they're not right. yet ready to enter into the, the holiest right. of holies. And so that would make sense. Like having our homes as sanctuaries of faith, right. where we can actually bring them. That makes a lot of sense. I know that was like, I'm like, ah. I've got two extra rooms. I bet you I'm going to be. That's why I'm doing all this food storage. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right there. I'm hoping to be translated. I won't need the food. And then well, I'm going to I am too, I'm but, you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like it says here, there's the two exoduses. First, right. we might need to get saved, and then we can turn around and save others. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's very interesting. And maybe when we are translated, it's just our food storage becomes or whoever mm -hmm. yeah um was there anything else there jehovah's day of judgment so jehovah's day of judgment uh, i think that that's an important phrase um if you've got his flashcards um that's specifically that that three and a half year period um of of his judgment when all the judgments are poured out um and it's kind of like the the 10 plagues of egypt uh, Pharaoh and Moses, etc., battling it out. That's going to be typified in Jehovah's Day of Judgment. So will that be over in Jerusalem area? Um, no, that so that's over the entire earth. The the wicked that, that perish. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, there's like Jody's example. There's Moses' right. example. There's Michael Rush's example. I don't know. That that's a, a good question. It'll be fun to yeah. see how that plays out. Um, but Isaiah is very clear that there's there's two three and a half year periods, and Jehovah's Day of Judgment is the the, the final the three and a half end. years. Uh -huh. Yeah. That okay. Plays out, but when that happens, I don't know. That I don't it's know either. 
Did you see that um, new little plague that's kind of popped on the horizon, the monkey plague? Yeah, the monkey one. No, that the monkey crazy. pox. I think uh, I got one on my eye this week. I'm like, Katie, I have a monkey pox. <laughs> but no, uh, there's, I, there's these remedies. Because I've always wondered if smallpox would come back because they quit mm -hmm. vaccinating kids for it. I've been vaccinated, and I'll bet your mom and dad have too. Yeah, I think. But like the younger generations aren't. But I found this remedy. It's from India. It's called Suramima purpurea. And it's just some little simple remedy you can take, and it cures the smallpox. So interesting. If y'all get smallpox, call me. I know how to fix it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. That smallpox works with monkeypox too. <laughs> yeah, because I'm, I'm watching for, you know, these plagues and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was a lot of chatter this week about that monkeypox and if that's Spencer's Ebola plague thing. Oh, yeah, I saw that one. <laughs> I found that very interesting. I um, did too. I got sucked into that. <laughs> Thinking about it too. All right. So yeah, if you could read uh, three and four. Oh, yeah. In the day Jehovah gives you relief from grief and anguish and from the arduous servitude imposed on you, you will take up this taunt against the king of Babylon and say, how the tyrant has met his end and tyranny ceased. Unlike Joseph's, Jehovah's elect who participate in an end-time exodus to Zion, and unlike the wicked who perished from the earth, a middle category of Jehovah's people survives his day of judgment without his direct divine intervention. These suffer the curse of servitude to the Assyrian archtyrant who here appears under his religious or cultic title, King of Babylon, in the pattern of ancient Assyrian conquerors of Babylon. In this parody of lament, beginning with the word how, those who survive his servitude launched into a taunt, glad to see the end of him and his tyranny. Yes. Um, I'm trying to find that specific part here in this book that was interesting. Um, when it talks about this, um, this parody or uh, this occultic uh, title. So here there's Assyria up north and then there's Babylon over to the, the east of where Jerusalem's at, right? And the Assyrians, in order to taunt the Babylonians, they would call themselves kings of Babylon. So it's like us like taunting Iraq or I don't know that's just a random example but like saying oh no our president is the king of Iraq really I mean we're, we're like trying to impose our name uh, upon them kind of a thing and so the Assyrians used to do that um, before they conquered somebody they would tout themselves as king over that place and um, it just kind of just uh turn the turn the knife a little bit in their back kind of thing like it, it was just this interesting pattern that the assyrians used to do and so um when he talks about 
the king of Babylon here. Um, he's really, I don't know, kind of taunting himself in a way and, and setting himself up in this um, cultic title, like it says. So did the other group veer off the rails right here, kind of in this stuff? Oh, we didn't even get there. Uh, it was oh, after. Okay. <laughs> well, I had a lot of thoughts when we read through this part, just about, because I'm sitting here trying to figure out who the um, Antichrist is. And mm -hmm. I've, I've always said, I think it's JFK Jr. And everybody gets tripped up. No, he's not alive, but I believe he is. And he's from those evil bloodlines. And President Trump is so beloved. I, I almost wonder if he isn't part of the Antichrist setting all this up. Because he's had, he's taunted all the kings and made them submit because of all the dirt he has on them all through all the sex trafficking and stuff. And so I'm just... I was like, I'm, I'm always sitting trying to figure it out too, you know, as I go along. Yeah, it, it's very interesting trying to figure out the end time arc tyrant and the end time servant. And like, all right, taking the new little pieces here and the new little pieces there and, and trying to oh, see if fit and what they are and stuff. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't either, <laughs> but I'm sure we're, at some point we're going to look back and go, oh yeah, didn't see uh -huh. that coming. Uh -huh. Yeah, exactly. And like, oh, that's how it was supposed to play out. Okay, I get it now. Kind of but thing. I'm afraid, I'm afraid the Antichrist is going to be so beloved and super, super good at deceiving people. They're just not even going to know it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, deceive even the very think, elect who are looking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just don't want to be fooled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Along those lines, um, hey, I'm here. I snuck in. Oh, I was <laughs> awesome. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> so, along those lines, um, I just heard, I just heard a podcast by a guy who had written a book, and he was talking about the current administration and how there's got to be somebody pulling the strings, and his mm -hmm. hypothesis is that it's Obama pulling the strings. And that um, because of things that um, Obama has said um, and things he continues to say, he's the first president out of ever to stay in Washington, D.C. when his term is up. Instead of going back to where he's from, he is living in the really nice house in a posh area of Washington, D.C. He is right there. Biden's White House is filled to the gills with people who were Obama's White House people. Mm -hmm. They're all yeah. they're all just recycled Obama appointees. And he was talking about that. And as I was listening to this to this podcast last week, I, I just stopped and I said, oh my gosh, could he be? Could mm -hmm. he be that's, that's what my mom says, but I don't think he is because now this is conspiracy theory stuff, but He's supposedly already been executed. So, yeah. so I don't know. <laughs> I don't think he has because you know he's still doing he's still doing some things. No, I think um, I think that when he was first elected, there were a number of people who I right. felt were fairly spiritually in tune 
who were like, oh, there's something wrong with this guy. He is, you know, this is it, right? Right. But then as, as time went on and then his time was over and he was replaced, people were lulled into a false sense of security, right? Yeah. But if he's the one pulling the strings and he's the one really in charge. He was running the shadow government because when President Trump would go around putting everybody in line, he was right back around behind. Right. Uh-huh. Oh, no, no. We're following the plan. If he's doing that, there are still enough people in this country that absolutely love him. And I think if if he lets run the country into the ground, right? And then he comes in riding in like, well, I can fix this kind of thing. People would just let him. (laughs) Right. Well, and it's it's really interesting because, you know, uh, Obama became who he was after he went on some kind of pilgrimage to find stuff about his his father. And as my husband was listening to this, he goes, yeah, I think he found his father all right, but I don't think it was his biological father. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> it, it was very, very interesting, this yeah. this podcast. Um, oh, I don't, I don't even know. I think I heard a snippet of it. It, it was saying that he was one of the key key leaders of this cabal well this wasn't even talking about anything about a cabal it wasn't okay. talking about any QAnon stuff it was i mean i mean i've heard those too but this wasn't even any conspiracy stuff this was kind of like this is somebody who really researched obama's history and where did he come from and what yeah. was his family and, and and why was he raised this way and what is it that was going on and and then you know who he was and what we do and don't know about him because mm-hmm. records have not been released or he used different names and you know just all of those kinds of things right um, but it it just uh it just struck both of us as very huh yeah that's, that's a, a good one and and I just saw and I you know not to derail your whole conversation because I really don't know where you are because I literally just got here. <laughs> just jump right in. Yeah. Isn't this what I do? This is what I do for this person. Right? Cold cold water in it. So um, I just read an article today about um the guy who used to be Obama's physician and Trump's physician in the White House, he said that Biden is going to have to step down. He's going to have to. If you looked at his town hall performance this past week, he couldn't string a coherent sentence together and and, and didn't answer questions and just totally, he's really going off the rails. He says he's not competent. He's going to have, something's going to happen. 25th Amendment coming up. Either 25th Amendment or he's going to have to resign. And, um, you know, then that would put Harris in line. And then I go back, but but then I go back and I listen, I remember all of the Ezra Ziegel stuff that we were listening to after the, you know, the election and everything. Trump was a short feather because his election was stolen. And then if Biden becomes a short feather and we, what we know from Ezra Ziegel is that the one to replace Biden is- it, well, they're killed before they get an opportunity to. Mm-hmm. They're killed by yeah. one of the eagle heads who then they're all eventually taken out until you eventually get the top 
Eagle Head, which is the Antichrist, who swoops in and is like, I can save the day. This, all this upheaval, you know, who's actually been orchestrating it all. And, um, you know. And has anybody read like uh, Shell McDermott stuff on any of that? So, um, like, yeah. She convinced that the the antichrist is one of the last five presidents based upon something that she interprets from daniel i forget which verse but i mean she's like it has to either be clinton obama bush or trump like it has to be one of those one of those is the antichrist or whatever and so like what you're saying i was like well obviously it's not clinton i mean he, like i can't even imagine it would be him but like okay he, he's so been executed too <laughs> yep so like Obama would be like a great candidate for that if, if that's he was. any of this mm -hmm. kind of stuff playing in. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, there, there you know. go. <laughs> There's my derailing of the conversation. No, today. thank you for, I like to hear their perspectives because, you know. <laughs> you know, yeah, and I know that there are a number of people who are not Trump fans who like to float, you know, they really like to promote yeah. this idea that, well, I think Trump is the Antichrist. And there's a there's a few things that are in there that that could fit, right? Yeah, um, but not in its entirety. Correct. Kind of and I think he's more like Cyrus, mm -hmm. right? Yes, I, I think that's he's, made he's that not a perfect coin. person. Yeah, you guys seen the temple coin he made? Yeah, mm -hmm. with well, him and Cyrus Israel on it. it. Israel made it for him. Trump didn't oh, make it. Was... Okay. Yeah, Israel made it. That didn't come from Trump. They were Got so it. happy with what they, he had done for them. I actually have one of those. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, I, I don't think he completely fits. There are some people that don't like him. And yes, he is brash. And yes, I just sometimes wish he would keep his mouth shut or somebody keep him off of Twitter, right? Of course, now, you know, now we don't have to worry about that. But, um, you know, those kinds of things. I didn't think he was helping his case any. But I, I don't yeah. think that he is inherently the evil that is the Antichrist. Obama, on the other hand, I could see yeah, that. For sure. I could for definitely sure. see I that. Think that the so we have to meet back at, and group our notes together at some point, y'all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that's it. But yeah, I think yeah, Trump is more right. of like a Cyrus slash Ahaz figure. Like, I think right. those two work so well together. Yeah. Um, all right. So that was three and four. Let's go to five and six here. So Jehovah has broken the staff of the wicked, the rod of those who ruled. Him who with unerring blows struck down the nations in anger, who subdued peoples in his wrath by relentless oppression. So the staff and rod whose power is now broken designate the king of Assyria, <clears throat> alias the king of Babylon in verse four, who rules for a time when it serves Jehovah's purpose to punish the wicked of the world. So that's like something really important to remember as we're going through. Like, I mean, God has a right hand and a left hand, and he allows the, the left hand to actually punish the wicked. Um, and so his personifying Jehovah's anger and wrath toward a corrupt humanity accords with Jehovah's design to convince the earth's inhabitants to repent of evil. Jehovah thus uses the wicked to destroy the wicked, and to induce those who might be persuaded to return to him. The arch tyrant's demise shatters the myth of his absolute power. Um, 
And then uh, Mother, would you read seven and eight? Now the whole earth is at rest and at peace. There is jubilant celebration. The pine trees too rejoice over you as do the cedars of Lebanon. Since you have been laid low, no hewer has risen against us. After years of warfare and relentless oppression have worn people down, those of humility left alive when the art tyrant perishes, burst into jubilant celebration. Now can the earth rest and Jehovah's millennial reign of peace begin. Jehovah's axe and saw, his rod and staff have finished his work of destruction. The hewer of uh, Jehovah's people and the nations has himself been hewn down. The pine trees and the cedars of Lebanon, here signifying a surviving middle category of Jehovah's people, may now flourish unhindered. Well, that'd be nice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so um, we pulled up. Let me just go back to it real quick before we continue on. So this is a chart from the literary message of Isaiah where he compares and contrasts Isaiah 14 with Isaiah 52 and 53. And so it's the entire structure. It's kind of like a summary of the, the whole Bifid structure, the, um, uh, the literary message. So here we have, that's why we're going through chapter 14 tonight. Uh, we have the rebirth, the rebellion, the punishment, humiliation, exaltation, suffering, disloyalty, and disinheritance there. So anyway, sorry, I'm just kind of describing why we're, we're doing all we're doing. <laughs> um, Joe Bullo was in commotion because of you, anticipating your arrival. On your account, it roused all the spirits of the world's leaders, causing all who had rule, ruled nations to rise up from their thrones. All alike were moved to say to you, even you have become powerless as we are. You have become like us. In Sheol, the underworld, hell, or spirit prison, the spirits of dead rulers rise up from their thrones in anticipation of the arrival among them of the tyrannical king of Assyria, Babylon. These things imply, one, that the spirits of the departed in hell maintain or seek to maintain a kind of anti-hierarchy to that many leaders of nations end up in a lower world for having ruled their peoples unrighteously. Three, that the spirits of those who do part this world are apprised of the imminent arrival of people from this world who die. And four, that unlike the righteous, the wicked are rendered powerless in the end. Yeah, those are four great points. I want to like copy that and <laughs> post it. Anytime somebody asks that question, oh, there we go. Yep. Yeah, that's answered there in, I've never really heard all of that before. I've mm -hmm. wondered yeah. it, but boy, that just lays it right out there. Have you guys ever seen pictures of the flat earth? <laughs> oh, it's yeah. Got, it's got the sheol. It's, I... I think it's pretty cool to just look at that to see what 
the spirit prison looks like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right there. Yeah, very interesting because it's this is actually kind of how the Hebrews used to think in terms of Sheol and, and where things are at and stuff. Um, I pulled this up in one of my, my Hebrew classes. Um, but yeah, so it, I don't know, like there's there's the firmament, but there's the waters above the firmament kind of thing. It kind of lends into to some of that interesting uh, stuff there but yeah but and then when cool. we were reading further in i can't remember which chapter it talks about oh how we're always trying to punch through space the firmament mm -hmm. and yeah you can't <laughs> and then with like the the equinoxes the way that they align and stuff sometimes it opens the, the gates of heavens at, at certain points of the year for um things to, to come in anyway very interesting rabbit hole to, to <laughs> dive down there as well right. but, but like anytime that we talk about Sheol I always think of this image and like how these like kings that passed on before you know are, are down there in these, these I think that's where the oil is stored <laughs> why are there four entries to it yeah. where are you talking about four entries to Sheol kind of thing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't studied it that deep before. Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, when you talk about flat earth, I, I kind of do it tongue in cheek or whatever, but like, I don't, I don't know. It, did they draw it specifically with four entrances or is that just kind of what it looks like? I don't know. Four cardinal directions? Mm -hmm, possibly. Mm -hmm. Four possibly. corners of the earth, north, south, east, and west. Very mm -hmm. interesting. That's interesting, yeah. It is interesting. um but yeah anyway this anti-hierarchy but i don't know this is conspiracy theory cameron for a, a second because i i rarely go there <laughs> but um to me throughout my reading this week with isaiah and different commentaries and stuff it seems like there's like the the ladder to heaven right but it seems like there's this opposite ladder that that's leading down to hell that's uh. even further down from tradition and, and stuff like that that like this anti-hierarchy thing but i haven't quite put my finger on it yet but the fact that you know there's still some type of leadership and usurpation and, and stuff like that, that that's happening within um in the depths of the the deep kind of thing i don't know that it's just a kind of a random thing but um, well, it seems like there's still ways to descend even further. Well, I think there's a lot of truth to it because as we have our learning, I know people that worship Satan, they also believe they're right. No, no, we will overcome, you know, Christ's followers. So it makes a lot of sense that there would be yeah. something and like that. Maybe. that I never thought of that. You know, like lesser covenants versus greater mm -hmm. ones where they actually take lives and, and stuff like that. Right. I, I don't know. It's just for, a random weird theory, but for everything that Christ has, Satan has a counterfeit. Right. Everything. Mm -hmm. So yeah, where we have a prophet, he has one. Where we have apostles, he has some. He might call them something different, but he's got them. For everything that we have, he has a counterfeit. 
And if you know that and recognize it and can see, oh, this is the counterfeit of the real thing, that really can also help you see what's true and what's not. Um, Satan is trying really hard to set his counterfeits up as the real thing and thereby deceive people into thinking they are doing good or they are headed in the right direction when instead they are following his counterfeit. And, you know, just like we have, you know, we have a hill Camorra and we have you know, the repository of, um, of records and everything that Joseph and Oliver saw, you know, Satan has a similar thing. And there is another Camorra actually located in Mexico, and it is relatively close to a town that um, touts itself as the um, satanic capital of the world. Wow. And so, you know, just like we have our positive and our good records, he has his bad ones. How do you think all the Gadianton stuff and all the secret combinations are passed down, right? Yeah. From, from generation to generation, they keep coming back. So yes, this has been going on since Cain and Abel. It has. For yep. sure. So, um, you know, I think that's that anti-hierarchy, right? So you have these people who have been evil in this life and, you know, they're like, well, I was worse than you and I, I'm, you know, so I'm better than you kind of thing yeah. Um, yeah. In, in, a, in a negative way. Right. Um, you know, but they're gonna, um, you know, there will be many, you know, they'll look at him and go, wait a minute. We thought the Antichrist was supposed to be some great and powerful thing. You're just as powerless as we are. Yep. You're just like us. And, you know, I yeah, don't think it's at that interesting point. how Isaiah is, is pulling that out. Can't become powerless as we are. Uh -huh. you, yeah. You led us down this road. Yep. Yep. I can't imagine the horror in his brain seeing our day of how. Yeah how evil we were. I was just reading tonight that Elder Holland was somewhere speaking and, and he opened it up for questions and answers. And he's like, okay, I know you're going to ask me if we're almost there. And he's like, yeah, we are, but we're not quite, we're wicked enough, but we're not, uh, we haven't repented enough. The members of the church aren't righteous enough. I read the exact same thing literally before I got on here. I know exactly the comment you're talking yes. about. <laughs> Absolutely. I read that. It was in North Carolina, by the way. Yes, it was in North Carolina. That's right. So, yeah, the, the world is wicked enough, but we're, we are not righteous enough. Right. And that is really, really sad, right? But, you know, that, that's where we also like run said. into, um, you know, the Lord has said, I it will begin on my house. Mm-hmm right yeah. um and it's interesting because like how many people are waking up and, and starting to realize there's more than just the retirement plan of enduring to the end that mm -hmm. you know like we can start making davidic covenants we can start um ascending the ladder to more than just the zion jerusalem category you know like isaiah has been like so eye-opening but it, it took me a, a long time to to get to that point when I was ready to like oh want that stuff and and want to ascend kind of thing and so I think I, that, that I have to say the, today when I was reading mm -hmm. it's probably the first day that it really started to make a lot of sense to me and I'm like 
I think I'm making progress. I can finally mm-hmm. like just keep going at it. It, it works. <laughs> keep reading it. For sure. When me and my mom had that a few weeks back, we we're just like, holy cow everything yeah. is starting to like piece comes together. It's like that great moment in a puzzle when you're like oh I, I can actually be part of the image here yeah. <laughs> it, it helps you like motivate like okay I need to find that piece and that piece and I look at this yeah. Pattern. yeah and there's not enough hours in the day to get to it all like yep. <laughs> it's so sped up for me right now I can hardly go mm-hmm. crazy I have so many things I want to study and I, I don't have enough hours. Yeah, look at all my books right here. Can you see them? Oh. <laughs> and that's just this room. Not there's there's stacks of them in every room. Like yep. <laughs> where where I land. And it's interesting how the spirit like guides you in books or even articles online or whatever. Like you take right. a piece from here, you take a piece from there. But I rarely read an entire book. Uh, unless I'm doing it with a book club, obviously, but like, you know, it's just here a little, there a little, because yeah. I don't, you know, like no book contains the, the full truth of, of anything. There are right. all just these commentaries that I'm reading and stuff, you know, and then you take that commentary, go back to the scriptures, find it, prove it, uh, be led by the Wonder spirit. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's so fun being like this whole process of hearing him in deeper and, and more meaningful ways applying some of these new things that we're learning it just everything's making so much more sense now yes and i do not want to be with magus or worms i just want to say that (laughs) (laughs) like no (laughs) yeah yeah Mm. (sighs) well magus and worms aren't good that's not good that's nasty. <laughs> yeah, we see all of the covenant curses coming upon the And if that isn't enough to motivate you to just right. at, least, at least coast on the Zion Jerusalem level, then I don't know what will. <laughs> yeah. There's and, no coasting, Cameron. You're either moving toward the Lord or you are falling behind. Yep. Well, it'll save two churches only. And so scary you can't stand yeah. still and you can't sit on the fence yeah, exactly yeah oh man but yeah i've been loving isaiah and i love everybody's like insights and stuff into it and all the extracurricular readings i mean like like i was posting on on facebook today or not today um this week like i just have so many books and i know that there's something i'm just not gonna get to but um here and there <laughs> a little bit one that i bought this last week was the the ugaritic bail cycle um to, to get standing on that um so, i heard of that one <laughs> so you know like the isaiah references bail a lot you know right? the sea and river and the the bail gods of the canaanites etc but i cannot find really good resources online for the actual Baal myth. So like um, Baal and, and Ashraf and, and all of those kind of things. Anyway, so I, I bought a book that somebody goes through the Ugaritic original texts and, and explains out the Baal myth. Because um, I just wanted to kind of get it because anytime that he mentions sea and river and stuff, like I get the general idea of what Abraham is telling us, but 
at the same time, I just want to go see the actual source to like get a proper framework what sea mm -hmm. and river in the, the mythology there. Not that I want to spend my time in mythology, obviously, but yeah. just a, a general overview so I can All right. piece together some stuff. Makes but, sense. Yeah. There's lots of interesting tangents to go down all the time. <laughs> so Cameron, oh, that yeah. comment that I made about the book the other day online. Uh -huh. yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just left that discussion where it was that. I'm like, I'm not touching that with Rebecca because she's in one of our groups. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm not fighting about it, but... <laughs> I, I, saw, I saw your comment. I saw it was you, and I'm like, oh, I've got to say something about this book because, you know, yeah, yeah, I bought the whole set. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, I think I saw your comment. Yes. Uh -huh. oh, I remember that. I, yeah. I was like, I, I sometimes go back and see <laughs> like how it uh -huh. ended. It, it, I haven't gone all the way through the book because like you, Cameron, I'm like picking up and I'm reading a little bit of this book and then I'm picking up and reading a little bit of this book and I'm, I'm on this book and on this book. And like I said, I'm running out of time. My, mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm just reading whatever that particular day, you know, yeah. is brought to me. And um, what I've read, I know they have to quote a lot of it, but they're quoting mm -hmm. it to show this is what it's been changed to. And this is where he's trying to say, and this isn't right. And, you know, you just have to get, you have to get past, you have to understand what they're reading, I, what they're saying. So, um, yeah. yeah. yeah and I, I didn't realize- Foundation, you know, I agree with uh, quite a bit of some of their stuff. Some of it's kind of out there on a weird limb, but I- Well, I, I didn't realize, I didn't realize how much of the new stuff had made its way into yeah. the church lexicon, so to speak. And Deseret Bookstore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, if it's not, not a Deseret, it's not doctrine. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I did run into that when we first moved out here. But but it was it, more than that, right? Because it, it's just some of these other alternative ideas. And, mm. and I had some of them myself. And when I go back and analyze, where did that come from? I realized that some of it probably came from seminary. And I was in seminary in um, the early 80s, um, like 1980. <laughs> I started <laughs> seminary when they came out with the brand new scriptures. And I was like, oh, look, we have these, right? So, um, you know, so by the time I got to church history, and, um, you know, I guess that was my sophomore year in high school, you know, the, all these, some of these things were already starting to come about and come, you know, be introduced and, and some of just the attitudes. And, and then as time went on, it's just like, oh, well, you know, my mother shares a birthday with Joseph Smith. And every year when we sing happy birthday to her, she had sing happy birthday to Joseph Smith. And as a kid, you know, as a teenager, that used to just bother me. And I, I, and as an adult, I couldn't figure out, you know, why does this bother me? Why am I so irritated with this? Why do I, why am I upset with her venerating Joseph Smith so much? And, and as I've gone back and I've looked, I realize it's because some of these attitudes about him were, were like pushed in there, right? In, in yeah. some of my early instruction, and when I've gone back and looked and thought about it, I was like, wow, that we, we really need, we 
he he really is just as great as you know Moses or Abraham or you know um, mm-hmm. Enoch. You know why? Um, you know why why are they they saying all these things? So um, you know I'm I'm working on changing my own my yeah. own very very long held um, <laughs> attitudes that I realize the Lord has shown me that those attitudes weren't right. right. So, but I'm I'm in informing myself from better more you know historical sources but i didn't know anything about leonard arrington right you know he got in there when i was you know like eight he was starting his stuff you know in church history department you know what eight-year-old knows what's going on right Right. i'm lucky i I didn't even know anything when i was 18 are you kidding (laughs) so you know I think it's good to go back and to read that and to study and to, and to evaluate our own attitudes and our own thought processes and our own bias and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Those own, those biases, what were we taught? And is that right? Yeah. Um, Because when I first started waking up, um, actually one of the first things I I found myself in the Mount Timpanogos temple sitting in the, in the chapel, they had, I had just missed a session leaving, leaving, right? So I'd gotten there and literally they had just emptied the chapel. So I sat in the middle of the front row and I had a half an hour. <laughs> and so, you know, I pulled out my scriptures and, you know, I was saying a prayer and sitting there looking at this picture of Christ right in front of me. And, and I'm asking the Lord, okay, I'm here. I'm, I'm in Utah, which is where you moved me. Uh, we're here what are we supposed to do what is next what is it that i need to do next and the answer was very clear and it stunned me it was um eliminate the um traditions of the fathers from your life so i have to find them and I have to eliminate them. And, and that was three years ago. And I have been looking and as I have run across things, I've gone, oh, that's one of those. You know, and I started with a list, right? And I had some and, and, and there have been more subtle ones that I have, that he has brought to my mind and said, this is one, this is one. And now, um, you know, there are some, there are some YouTube come follow me things that I can't watch anymore. Me too. Right? Yeah. Um, because there was one um, on section 20 of the Doctrine and Covenants that as they were talking, um, a couple of very nice guys, I like them and I've been to their- I know who you're talking about. <laughs> classes and I'd absolutely loved them and adored those classes and I learned so much, but they sat there and they talked about stuff and as they were as, as the presentation for that section came on, I don't remember exactly what was said. I was just listening to it as I was doing housework. I was making beds and doing this stuff. And all of a sudden it hit me like a, like a ton of bricks. This attitude, and, and it almost like it opened up this view of this attitude is going to lead to a discrediting of Joseph Smith that will eventually lead to somebody trying to discredit the Book of Mormon and discredit the church and lead people away from the gospel. And this is where it starts. Hmm. 
And I, I just, I, I was so stunned. I stopped and I went, huh? Wow. <laughs> okay. And then after he finished saying all of that, whatever it was he was saying, and I, I haven't really gone back to watch it again. I haven't wanted to. But even he knew he was saying something because right after he finished saying that, he felt the need in the middle to bear his testimony. Well, but, you know, but in spite of all this, I know that Joseph Smith was a prophet, but, but, you know, and, it, and he went into all of this stuff and started, started to backpedal. But I'm like, wait a minute, you are, you're telling naughty, naughty. the narrative. This is the, this is the church education narrative now. And even new, you know, that it's bad enough that mm -hmm. you're having to say, eh, well, yes, but even with that, let me say this, right? Mm -hmm. and, and it just struck me so hard. And after that, I, I really lost all um, respect for whatever they had to say. And so I don't watch them anymore. I know. I yeah, I do that with a lot of different ones. Like I'm, I'm just prepping to go to education week this year and stuff. And I'm like, I really am kind of revamping some of my favorites and, and some of the ones that I really do want to go listen to and, and stuff that it's like, yeah, I, I have to throw out a lot of different people. So are you coming down for education week? Yes, I'm I registered. I just need to find a place to live. <laughs> if I had a spare room, Cameron, I'd offer it to you. Seriously, I am... Um, Actually, I'm in my spare room. It's a study. Uh, we, uh, I'm trying to decide if I'm going to host because they keep sending me emails wanting me to host. And I've done it before. And you get a free yeah. ticket. Um, and and I'm, I'm kind of torn because yeah. the ones that I wanted to go and see that I couldn't wait and go take their classes and, oh, I want to go to education week and I want to learn all this stuff and I want to do all this stuff. And I'm going, but I don't watch his videos anymore. <laughs> yep, yeah, I don't really go. I wasn't that impressed with the last book. <laughs> I don't know that I want to go. And I, and I'm just like, well, do I do I want to spend the time? Do I want to spend the money? I'm sure there's great things, and and I'm I'm still deciding. If I wait too long, they'll make me buy a ticket, and I won't have the opportunity to host. I don't know. I don't know what yeah. I'm doing. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, as I was going through the catalog, that. I was like, there, there's a few that I really want to take. There's a couple of more awake professors and stuff, and some of their uh, topics are really fun this time. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely coming down, but um, it, it'll be interesting out? to see. I, I, I get into a class and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is stupid. <laughs> is the schedule out? I missed the schedule? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I haven't got the booklet, but if you go on their website, it has the, the PDF of it. Okay. All right. I'll have to look at it and see if it's worth it, whether I get mm -hmm. the ticket or if I, if I do. <laughs> yeah. You'll have to consult with Cameron. <laughs> well, you uh, know, I was, oh thinking, my God, that first. I was mm -hmm. thinking about how I really wanted to go and I was trying to figure out how I was going to make it work because we only had one car and um, I'd have to take my husband to work and how was I going to make all that work because I know how it had worked. You know, the last few years and then my son gave me a car and so maybe i need to get on the ball and do something with that <laughs> yep. since the lord gave me a car <laughs> so, <here> you, <laughs> you know but yeah um i remember 
it, sorry, this is kind of off topic. I mean, we're we're just kind of on it. We're off topic. It's off topic. But um, anyway, my first education week was so enlightening because you know I I had been learning on my own some deep stuff and everything, but I never went to education week. I didn't even know what it was. And the first time I went, my very first class was Anthony Sweat's. Oh, I love him. Uh, on um, the doctrine and covenants of making your calling an election sure. And it blew my mind. Like it, it was my first class. And I was like, is this what education week is like? Like, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. I walked out of that class and um, the lady I was sitting next to was like, well, if you like that one, you're going to want to go to Patrick Dane, like for sure. And stuff. And she's like, I'll meet you there. And um, I, I hadn't even planned on, on any of his classes until like a Thursday or Friday. One of them kind of sounded fun. But anyway, after that, then I started listening around to the people that attended the classes that I liked and getting their opinions on, oh, this person or this person and stuff. But it's very interesting. Some of my favorites this time, um, yeah, like you said, like I don't watch them anymore or whatever kind of thing. And um, it's just interesting how this year is totally different from from any of the other previous ones that I've wanted to to attend and stuff. I, I'm very intrigued by Matthew Gray's classes because he's always one of my favorites. And I, he deals a lot with the historicity of, of Jesus and, and Nazareth and stuff. And he's kind of doing a, a railing on the chosen one. And I am very intrigued at his point of view on that because I think we share very similar ideas. But um, him and Sweat and Dane and what's that other one? Christensen, Sweat. Oh, I already said him. He's my favorite. Mulestein. <laughs> oh, Mulestein. Oh my gosh, Mulestein. I love Mulestein. But his, I found that there's some interesting parallels to what we studied with Abraham, etc. Um, what's another one? When was but, yeah. the first year you came down for education week? What was that? 16, 17? Yeah. Were you here the, for the eclipse? Uh-huh. Oh, but yeah. We were here the prior year. So I think we started in 16. Okay. Yeah. And then we were there for the clips yeah my first yeah i i watched the eclipse from the um wilkinson center oh yeah we did it from the marriott um yeah. we were in the christensen's class yeah. the, the hotel that we stayed in um we were in the the pool uh, a hot tub thing there and a couple came there and they had just come from Rexburg and witnessed that there. Oh yeah, right on the full on dark there. And it was so interesting to hear their uh, account of that. Mm-hmm. We were actually in Utah because it, it actually comes over Salem, Oregon, where it's a total mm-hmm. eclipse, but there were so many people here. We left <laughs> came to Utah. And so we didn't get to see the whole thing. And then we couldn't get home because gas was out everywhere because all the oh. people from Oregon were exodusing. <laughs> so we had to wait another three or four days before the gas stations filled up. Oh, dear. You should have just stayed in, home, camped like, in your backyard and watched it yeah. there. Well, yeah. we had, oh, my nephew was getting married, so we had to, we wanted to go see all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's interesting how some of these things happen before we realize their their full importance or the significance. Right. Of them. 
it, I mean, it was just kind of a fun thing. And then Stevenson gave his talk on it and stuff. But I didn't get it until later. It's like, oh my god. I didn't gosh, get it until so Masa and Jody like smacked yeah. me on the side of the head. And I'm like, oh. oh. <laughs> We're all in that same place. <laughs> yep. I don't and then, like, the Hosanna shout with President Nelson. Like, I didn't understand it at the time. I knew it was important and significant, but I didn't understand what it was. And then it was like, oh, okay. Like, there's so many things that have happened. And, like, what else have I missed? You know, like, want to go back and listen to it all again with a different. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Was, um, uh, Education Week, there's a class by um, Roseanne Benson. I already took it a, a couple of years ago, but it was about Isaiah and finding the literary um, allusions to the old tabernacle of Moses throughout the book of Isaiah. And I remember, I think, coming out of that class going, whoa, that was way over my head. But now that I've kind of got somewhat of an Isaiah grasp, I want to go back and like, oh, try to, to get more of that. That was the one that I was trying to think of earlier. Mm. Yeah. Um, I know one of my favorite quotes that I like to refer back to is, um, one of the early leaders of the church, he said that the events of the last days will come about so naturally and seemingly so organically that unless you're watching, you won't catch it. You won't see oh. that as the fulfillment. People don't of see it. And, and I see a lot of that. You know, my husband and I look around and, and we'll read an article or we'll read a, just a headline and go, oh, look, here's this. Here's this, the Lord has just been opening our eyes to all of these things. And oh, that reminds me. <laughs> uh, we were at the bookstore on Friday after the temple and I told Katie, I said, okay, this sounds really crazy, but we're going to go buy you maternity garments. And she's like, what? And so we're <laughs> in there and so we're having him help like, how much weight will she gain? Like we're guessing what to buy. <laughs> and she's like, why are you doing this? And I said, well, I know there's going to be a shortage of rubber. How do you know this? I'm like, well, it's all over the news. She's like, I haven't seen it. And so the garments we buy, you know, have the poly rubber stuff in them. And, and then she did some real helpful things. She's like, now, you know, the church only guarantees these for five years because then the rubber in them starts to deteriorate. And I'm like, I think we'll be good. Uh, yeah, I think we'll be good. <laughs> we bought like 10, 10 or so garments for maternity. And this lady's like looking at like, what planet are you from? And I said, well, I'm a, I'm a watcher for the signs of the second coming. And we're there. And she's like, I said, have you heard of the monkey pox? And she's like, oh. I did hear something about that. And so I'm like, well, there's a shortage of rubber. Yeah, those are people. If you need new tires or new garments or <laughs> anyway, I thought it was a hoot. Yeah, it's funny. She was she was pretty young and but she was kind of looking at me like, you're crazy lady. <laughs> oh, I get a lot of that. You know, I was sitting at our wards um, uh, Pioneer Day celebration yesterday and and half the time I was just sitting there listening to the conversations around me and listening to people talk. And, you know, there were some guys behind me talking about business things and 
oh, we're going to launch this in 2022 and we're doing this in 2024 and we're doing, you know, all this long-term plan and, you know, all this software stuff and this and that. And I'm thinking, yeah, no. The internet will be broke by then. <laughs> you know, but it, what, what hit me so hard is that it was one guy was talking about this app that he's working on that is actually designed to crowdsource your decision-making. Mm. You can't make up your mind. You can't choose. You just put it out there to the crowd <laughs> and ask the people, well, what classes should I take? Or what should my major be? Or what kind of pizza should I order today? Or whatever, and just crowdsource it. And, and it just hit me so hard. Oh my gosh, these are people who are Clueless. looking. They were looking for a way to give away their agency. Yeah. And this guy is talking about making an app to encourage people to give away their agency. And I just, I'm just going, oh my, they just are. They don't so, get it. <laughs> one of the ladies in, in our ward actually posted on one of the Facebook groups that I'm in. And I don't think she knows that, who I am, but I realize who she is. And she goes, my husband and I are thinking about moving to be more around more awake people. You know, we live in American pork and there's just not there's just a, not, a lot of us sleep people here. <laughs> I just put a comment. Well, we keep trying to wake people up, but they keep hitting the snooze button. <laughs> and, and, you know, I should have said, yeah, by the way, I'm in your ward, but. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, maybe uh, during COVID, you don't know me. Um, you know, yeah. but it is, it is really, um, it, it's just it's scary. I, I just hear all these people talking about, um, you know, what their plan is for their kid. You know, oh, my kid's going to be going on their mission in five years. And I'm going, yeah, I don't think it's going to be the same. <laughs> Changes the we're all, we're all going to be on that mission. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah it's pretty anyway. good. So, um, Cameron, I think you've convinced me I'm going to apply to do hosting again. Yeah. Um, and I just have to, I, I have to figure out what time slot I want to host. Cause during that time, I won't have a choice as to what I get to hear. Um, mm -hmm. but you know, I just have to figure out morning, afternoon, evening, which one do I not care as much about, um, yeah. you know, flexibility. Um, you know, the people, have you been to education week before? No. Okay. When you go to education week, there are people who are there watching the doors. There are people uh, making okay. tags. There's always somebody inside the venue who goes up at the beginning and says, okay, it's time Got to start. It. Here are the rules. Here's the person giving the opening prayer. Let me introduce our speaker. And that, that's what I ended up doing every time. <laughs> you I get in free. I'm like, oh, can I be inside this one? I'll do that. I'll go stand up in front and talk. I have no problem. But, but basically, yeah, that's what you do. And, and, and you work for a four-hour shift every day. And in return for that, they give you a free all-week pass. Nice. And you can go to whatever classes you want. And you don't have to work Monday. So I usually don't work Monday. And I'll work a Tuesday through Friday morning shift. And so I just have to figure out if I'm going to do that, what am I going to do with produce that week? We might have to pick another week off of produce. Yeah. Because that's what I do. 
That's what I do Friday morning. So I, I don't know. I'll have to figure that out. So, no, we're not in a different time. He finally arrived. <laughs> I would have missed all the good stuff. <laughs> we're talking about education. All of your wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got derailed as soon as I got on the call. You're going to have a house guest for education week. Cameron's coming to visit you. Yeah, yeah. Cameron needs a for education week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I was going to throw it out to, to Wednesday's group or whatever and be like, hey, I'm coming down to Education Week, so if anybody wants to meet up. <laughs> well, I'd, I'd definitely meet up with you, Cameron. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks for reminding me of that. Now I have to go and look at the book. Yep. I'm sure I'll get one in the mail very soon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're using this kind of a little floor. They always see every workshop you go to, this is a teacher speaking. You just need two nuggets, and it was a success. Yeah. Just need two Every that I've been to, even though I might not agree fully with somebody's presentation, there's always some nuggets that you're like, yeah, oh, good too. There. Well, usually there's more than one that I want to see at any given time, and so what will happen is I'll go to one thinking, okay, I'll go to this Jump one. Jump in and out. <laughs> what I thought it was going to be, and so I spend the week, the rest of the week at the other one, and go, oh, I wish I didn't miss the first day. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. Kind of, that, that's been my experience. And then you try to hunt down somebody that did attend the first one and get their notes and everything. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Are you gonna go, Darlene? Just for the Monday, we Cameron's got a dog and we've got a puppy. We don't know. Oh uh, yeah, that's our we problem here. So we're gonna be the puppy sitters. Yeah. yeah. We always have that dilemma. But yeah, like Monday, there's three different classes all at once for the first three hours. And so I've got my mom and my dad and me that we're going to go and, and go and get them. Split out. So, Which one? I mean, um, let's see. Let me pull it up real quick. My selections for Monday. So Matthew Gray, Anthony Sweat, and Carrie Mulestein. Oh yeah, it's your three favorites. What time? Three favorites all on Monday. Hmm. Yeah, Monday morning. Yeah, the eight thirty, oh, nine fifty, and eleven ten. Kind of sucks, but whatever. I would or, choose Anthony Sweat for me. <laughs> yeah, he's so good. So Have you read the Holy me? Invitation? Just that little tiny book. Nope, not yet. Oh, that's I so just good. got introduced to him. I, I listened to the Sunday on Monday podcast. Mm -hmm. Tammy Uslak, and she had him on a few months ago. And I was like, that's when I first figured out who he was. And now I see him everywhere. And it's like, oh, I'm, I'm just still waking up. <laughs> Seekers Wanted and the Holy Invitation. I mean, okay. I, I I think that um, Mielstein's looks really, really interesting. Yeah. I, I saw a YouTube video one time about the, the Egyptian temple ceremony. And if you have mm. never seen that, mm. you, you go, oh, wow. That's what those, well, yeah, I don't know why I didn't see that. Oh, <laughs> it just blows you away. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's okay. All right. 
Now I got to look at the rest of the week. Thanks a lot, Cameron. Well, you know, it's been sitting there in my email, right? With a little flag on it for me to do something yeah. with it. And I, I just can. Had, and 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 I, I just felt like I, I want to see the book first. So mm -hmm. now I can look at the book and then say, okay, this is the shift I'll work. You know, and then it doesn't cost me anything, but the commute back and forth. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I could care less about family reunions, but I will not miss education. That's my, my go-to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just got, you know, I went in 17 and I, in 18, and then in 19, I took, I convinced Scott to take a week off of work and go with me. And um, then last year they canceled it. Yeah. So, and the yeah. online like way dumber than the real thing. Yeah, I I just wasn't I, I wasn't uh, wasn't in the I position or the wanting to just pay for online stuff. I I yeah. can see lots of online stuff for free. Yeah. Right. You know. I loved like the price break because I mean it usually costs us like you know fifteen hundred dollars to go to education week. I get a hotel room, all the lunch and all that kind of stuff. Like it, it's very expensive. And so like an mm -hmm. online thing, I was like, oh, well, that's a lot cheaper than having to go down there. But then it's like, nah, it's a dud. <laughs> Except you learned about. So Cameron. Yeah. Cameron. Uh -huh. um, if you want, you can stay here. <laughs> yeah that that sounded reluctant you're like no 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 i talked to scott about it. we have an air mattress we can put in our study and mm -hmm. it has its own bathroom. Yeah, and I have a mattress i could bring yeah well we've got we've got it so if you seriously if you don't have a place to stay if you want to stay with us we're an american fork you're welcome to stay here all right well thank you okay <laughs> as i'm planning out stuff i'll let you know It'll save you a couple bucks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll have somebody to talk to Education Week about. Hey, you guys yeah, we'll to, come home. You guys have to record your your discussions for us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we have we do have a room that yeah, I just needed to check with Scott first if you know how he would feel because it's our study. But mm -hmm. um, you know, you are yeah. you're welcome to stay here. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'll let you know here okay. shortly. No worries. You mm -hmm. just let me know. Mm -hmm. So, um, all right. <laughs> now I've really derailed everything. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's yeah, really great. Say, mom. Uh -huh. You were trying to say something before I cut oh, you off. Just about the online education oh. week. Just what we learned from that Mr. Price, I forget his first name, was worth it. Oh, seriously, yeah, that was that was beneficial right there. So there was at least one nugget. <laughs> Might not have been the two nuggets, but at least it was one. <laughs> yeah. When is education week? The 16th through the 20th, 22nd, I don't know, but that-, that oh, August. August. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, through the 20th. Yeah, through the 20th. Sounds 16th fun. Through the 20th. So we still have one week left in July. So in 
a little less than a month. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. That'll be fun. Yeah, it will be. Yep. So. Well, anyway. it's been a, a fun class time. <laughs> get a little bit derailed and then we come back and then we, we okay. get some good discussions. I love it. <laughs> Like if anybody ever comes back through wanting to like know Isaiah and have like really good ones or whatever, I might have to like truncate some of the, the lessons down to their most essential ones. Yes. <laughs> I think we've learned more than yeah. usual. I, I definitely do for sure. Like I do too. Mm -hmm. As long as we're doing our reading, you know, and not expecting yeah. to go over every single thing. Yeah, exactly. Because Isaiah is so intense. I mean, there, you could be reading forever and ever. Like Avraham says, he's like, it took me 10 books to, to write it to finally get everything it is head that was around head it. out. Yeah, yeah, to wrap around it and kind of get it out there kind of thing, uh, which is fun. And, and I don't know if I told this group or whatever, like I've been uh, talking with, with Rodolfo and stuff. We're going to get Avraham on one of our, our Zooms in like September, October ish um so you said that uh, the, the sunday at five group is when you said that yeah okay so yeah that's that's something coming up sometime i'm, I'm volunteering with the isaiah institute and working on some of their videos and, and stuff like that right now so uh, anyway hopefully we'll he's wanting to to do more outreach and go on to to book clubs and um You'll have to give us advance warning so it can really study hard. Yeah. <laughs> Last minute cramming. Yeah, I didn't realize he lives in Washington State, like they're in the Puget Sound. I I don't know. I just assumed that he lived in Utah, but whatever. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Rodolfo was like, yeah, he's coming to Utah again, and he wants to meet all of y'all and stuff. And I'm like, well, where is he? <laughs> <laughs> that would be so cool to get together, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got to go to a Michael Rush one that they had, and it was just on Facebook Live, and I actually got to ask him a question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and he answered it, and I was like, "Ooh!" <laughs> I know you get starstruck. Like now, I'm hobnobbing with all these authors. <laughs> I asked an Antichrist question just for a good <laughs> laugh there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when Kayla introduced me to E. Douglas Clark or whatever, I was like, oh my gosh, it's like meeting a celebrity. But then I got over my like celebrity stuff. But now I'm like, all like there's all these authors and all you got to do is ask, really. I mean, I, they really want just people. Like, oh, cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I might just go around education week and be like, hey, Anthony Sweat, what you got? <laughs> we'll study your book if you come on our podcast. <laughs> Yeah, the latest book he's pushing is the one with his art with the new mm -hmm. church history stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Tammy Lack Hall's been pushing that one for him. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep, yep. So, anyway, um, as always, folks, <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Yes, I'm glad you showed up. Oh, thanks. Yeah, our our daughter and grandchildren live north of Salt Lake, and we were supposed to leave in time to be home by seven forty-five. <laughs> yeah, didn't happen. No, Sundays are really hard 
for most people, you know, like they just like, well, we have family. We can't be doing a book club. That's mm -hmm. why our group C is so large, but. Yeah. Well, that's why I picked eight o'clock because usually the grandkids, you know, they want to be gone by seven so they can go to bed. But when I'm there, you know, it, it's yeah. four to five minutes. Your style. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. So thanks. Thanks for putting up with me being late. <laughs> oh, we, we love it. <laughs> thanks for coming late. <laughs> Scott says you should charge me double. <laughs> or you can give her the clergyman discount full price plus 10 percent sounds about right yep yep that's about right <laughs> all right well all it's right. been fun we will talk to everyone next see week see you guys okay bye, see ya. bye.